the guide to becoming a senior product designer. Learn how career ladders work and how to create a career plan to climb the ladder. An article by Aaron James. The echo of tiny sniffles bellows down our hallway. A slight cough disguised as a sneeze can be periodically heard from everyone. It's cold season, and our house is a minefield of boogers. I'm watching the kids closely with the tissue in hand, ready to wipe their noses at a moment's notice. My son's shirt is incredibly gross, as he quietly hides away while smearing his snot on his sleeves and his collar. This child is my spawn, and I'm obligated to love him at his nastiest. Our colds are nothing life-threatening either, but I hear how miserable everyone is, with their speaking voices low and raspy and asking for cough syrup. We're doing our best to make it through the week here. I blow my nose into a tissue. Let's get this article rolling, shall we? I promise not to get you sick as I'm reasonably sure colds can't be transmitted through medium articles. Overview. By this point, you've likely created a compelling design portfolio that got you noticed by companies. You've hopefully been asked to interview at these companies and aced one or more interviews. In a perfect world, you're now working for a company as an individual contributor. Now what? It's time to begin thinking about your long-term career goals and how to achieve them. You've likely asked yourself, how do I grow and level up to become a senior designer? And that's what I'm aiming to answer here. This article is intended to give you the tools you need to understand the design career ladder, assess your current level, give you clear guidance on how to level up, and be an evergreen resource you can reference throughout your career. Leveraging this article can keep you on track and accelerate your career growth as you climb higher and higher. A note to junior designers. If it's early in your career, you can set career goals and begin planning your career path, but I want to emphasize something first. Your primary goal early on is learning marketable design skills and collecting projects with real-world impact. You should expect your early years to be a grind, which means senior-level design may seem out of reach for you. That's normal. Until you find a job that has a stable design ladder, it's difficult to level up. Don't let this fact dissuade you from becoming a designer, though. Eventually, your career path becomes clearer, and each rung in the design ladder becomes more tangible. The Design Career Ladder Multiple metaphors are used in the design industry to describe design career paths and how they're organized. You'll hear people speak about career paths as stairs and steps, ladders and rungs, levels and experience, and so on. These metaphors convey that as you gain more experience and impact in design over time, you ascend the ranks upwards towards more senior positions at a company. For the sake of this article, I'll use the ladders and rungs metaphor to describe the design career path and images of stairs and steps to confuse you. (laughs) As you gain more experience and impact in design over time, you ascend the ranks upwards towards more senior positions at a company. All ladders are different. Once you've landed at your new job, one of the first things you should seek out is your design level expectations. These expectations will give you a clear sense of the design ladder at your company. A mature company will have these expectations documented and accessible to all designers. Every company's expectations will vary and have a different definition for each level. Some documents will be more granular and specific, while others will be more generalized and ambiguous. The more specific the design expectations, the easier it is to create a plan for leveling up. The more ambiguous the design expectations, the harder it will be to level up without manager support. Lean on your manager to bring clarity to these ambiguous expectations. Undefined ladders can seem chaotic. Companies that don't set clear expectations for the designers will sow chaos for the designer's career path, or at least it'll feel that way. Without these expectations, inexperienced designers will not know how they're performing, if they're having positive business impact, providing real value to the company, or how to interview other designers on the company's behalf. These companies may use subjective biases, promotion, and hiring criteria instead of objective and measurable criteria. That's not to say this is necessarily a bad thing, though. Some will love the freedom and ambiguity as it presents an opportunity to lead and skip levels, while others may struggle in these environments. I don't consider the lack of a defined career ladder a red flag 
flag, especially if you're more experienced in design. Undefined ladders may just be a byproduct of a company's scrappy nature or the recognition that ladders contribute to a competitive and stressful environments. More on that in a bit. If you've joined a company that doesn't have documented expectations for designers and you crave the structure of a formal design ladder, work closely with your manager to define your role expectations and what it takes to level up. Lack of documented expectations is also an opportunity to lead by creating expectation documentation for the entire company. The exercise of creating this documentation will help you level up as well since more senior designers and managers typically create this ladder documentation. The ladder competition. Some companies choose not to have a formally documented ladder available to their designers, and for good reason. The designer career ladder can quickly become weaponized and result in competitive behaviors. This competition occurs when designers compare themselves to other designers, which is not how designers should use the ladder. It can lead to designers straying away from impactful work in favor of chasing vanity from titles at higher levels. Some companies will take this one step further and ask their designers not to disclose their level with others. The intention behind this ask is to remove the off chance of designer competition and pressure to perform. Ultimately, competition will lead to hostile and stressful work environments contributing to less creativity and design output if left unchecked. By the way, you can choose to opt out of ascending the corporate designer career ladder altogether too. It's not the only path into the design industry. Those who choose not to enter the corporate designer rat race will often freelance, join early stage startups, or join smaller design agencies. Not conforming to the definition of a traditional ladder has its benefits. For example, there's no pressure to perform, leading to more creative freedom and expressiveness. That all said, the benefit of knowing the career ladder and understanding how to properly use it far outweigh the cons, in my humble opinion, especially if you're early on in your career. I quickly grab a tissue and run over to one of my twins as snot rolls down her face and onto the toys she's playing with. I'm too late. Ew. The rungs and the ladder. For the sake of this article, we'll use the boilerplate levels of junior, mid-level, senior, lead, and principal product designer. These titles are considered the stereotypical rungs in the designer career ladder and represent many things to many people. But primarily, these titles represent a designer's experience and the amount of impact they have. Why are there rungs? This question is a wonderful one that points directly to the heart of this entire article. The reason there are rungs in this metaphorical ladder, or levels, is to clarify responsibilities and expectations. A company with documented responsibilities for each level sets clear expectations for its designers. These expectations help designers understand how they should contribute to their teams and company, giving them a sense of perspective for their roles and how they can grow. Clarify the traits a company values. A company with documented expectations explicitly shares what they value in a designer. This beautiful fact makes it easier to understand if your role has a business impact by contributing directly to a product or has impact by designing presentation decks and making things look pretty for product teams. By the way, I'm not saying the latter is necessarily a bad thing. A designer has to create Apple's beautiful keynotes after all. But instead, what I'm saying is you'll know if the company's values align with yours. Calibrate designers for interviewing. A company that has documented expectations for designers at each level can use them as a calibration tool for interviewing. The expectations help interviewers understand if a candidate measures up. It gives concrete expectations for if the design candidate should be hired for the role. Without these expectations, it's tough to have an objective conversation about whether or not a company should hire a design candidate without referring to one's gut instinct or past experience, leading to unfair hiring practices. Give a sense of career progression. 
Finally, a company with documented expectations gives designers a clear goal to achieve. They can reference the level expectations above theirs and create a concrete plan with actionable steps for leveling up. Without these level expectations, it's like shooting in the dark at a moving target while standing still. It becomes much harder to progress in your career without defined levels. Level differences between companies. The rungs of the ladder aren't standardized across the entire design industry. Not every company uses a boilerplate structure, and the level expectations will change depending on the company's values. Another variable I've come across is how granular the levels become. Some companies will have many more levels, whereas others will have a flat organizational structure with no levels at all. Here are a few ladder structures, for example. Junior, mid-level, senior, lead, and principal. Associate, staff, principal. L1, L2, L3, L4, L5, L6. IC3, IC4, IC5, IC6, IC7, IC8. D2, D3, D4, D5, D6, D7, D8. D101 to 110, D201 to 210, D301 to 310. If that list didn't make sense to you, join the club. I have no idea what those last ones mean. But you know what? These structures don't matter in the grand scheme of things. So next, I'll help you understand the skills all designers possess. Lead and principal levels are temporary. Can I tell you a secret? The highest levels on the product design career ladder are super subjective and open to interpretation. In addition, those titles are ephemeral and may change from one project to another or one company to another. I've met designers with a title of principal that operate like a senior designer and senior designers who I define as a principal designer, mainly because of how they contributed to some of their projects and the momentary impact they had in the past. If you conflate design industry influencers with design titles, these conversations become even more complicated. I too have held the title of lead designer on multiple occasions, but do not consider myself a permanent lead designer. It's my opinion that these upper levels are ones you flex into as needed and eventually you fall back to senior level. This is why I believe they're ephemeral. I'm open to being wrong though, so if you want to have a discussion here, let's hash it out. Why does this matter anyway? Well, if you made it to the senior level, I consider you near the top of the product design career ladder for an individual contributor. So make sure to celebrate once you hit this level. Huzzah. Oh my God, I just discovered boogers on my chair. How is this even possible? The ladder building blocks. In past articles, you've seen me describe designer skills through the lens of design axes. These are the fundamental building blocks of the product design career ladder and are every product designer's skills. They're common between us all, regardless of level. These design axes include a designer's hard and soft skills, which are defined as follows. Hard skills. They're techniques and knowledge you learn while in design school or on the job. They're used to perform the act of design. For example, the skills related to using design tools, design software, pencil and paper, etc. If you can touch it, it's a hard skill. Soft skills. They're more ambiguous and challenging to master. These are related to your personality, people skills, and work ethic. Your life experiences shape these skills and contribute to your overall emotional intelligence and self-awareness. The high-level design axes that I learned from good old Papa Zuck are product thinking, interaction design, visual design, intentionality, drive, and self-awareness. It's important to know that these six axes are a mixture of your hard and soft skills. So let's dive deep into design axes next. Each axis will have a link to my boilerplate product design level expectations rubric for reference. The reason it's important to know the design axes is because they're what you must continually strengthen to level up as a product designer. One. Product thinking. The skills related to product thinking encompass how to create successful products by solving user and business problems. Within this axis, there are three distinct subcategories. User, a skill to understand the people who use the product and the problems they face. 
business, a skill to understand business opportunities, and ultimately generate revenue directly or indirectly by solving user problems. Strategy, a skill to understand how products should be strategically designed and launched to reach product market fit. Two, interaction design. The skills related to interaction design encompass how to design for people and their behaviors. There are three distinct subcategories here within this axis. Patterns, a skill to understand people's behaviors as they interact with the platform a product is built upon and design solutions around these behaviors, e.g. mobile patterns, web patterns, accessibility patterns, etc. Systems, a skill to understand how design patterns relate to a larger system and how the elements within the system are organized, e.g. task flows, information architecture, pattern libraries, etc. Prototyping, a skill to leverage design systems to create static or functional prototypes for user testing and implementation, e.g. mockups, flows, prototypes, etc. Three, visual design. The skills related to visual design encompass how to create visually attractive user interfaces within branding and style constraints. There are four distinct subcategories for visual design. Layout and hierarchy, a skill to organize UI elements understandably while calling attention to essential actions and de-emphasizing other UI elements. Typography and iconography, a skill to use type and icons as UI elements in effective ways. Color, a skill to effectively use color and the meaning it conveys. Motion, a skill to animate UI elements in meaningful ways that users understand. 4. Intentionality. The skills related to intentionality encompass how to solve problems while working with others deliberately. There are three distinct subcategories within this axis. Process, a skill to consistently create successful design solutions using repeatable design techniques, e.g. discover, define, design, develop, deploy. Communication, skill to communicate your work to others in an understandable way at scale. Collaboration, a skill to build trust with others and effectively collaborate with cross-functional teammates. Five, drive. The skills related to drive encompass a designer's passion for the field of design and their willingness to lead others. You can find three distinct subcategories within this axis. Leadership, a skill to take ownership of a problem space and become the domain expert that others seek out. Feedback, a skill to provide constructive feedback as well as be receptive to feedback from others. Community, a skill to teach others to be successful and contribute back to the design community. Six, self-awareness. Finally, the skill related to self-awareness encompasses one's ability to know who one is and how one can improve. This axis has three distinct subcategories. Strengths, a skill to understand one's strengths and how to promote them. Weaknesses, a skill to understand one's weaknesses and how to improve them. Growth, a skill to continually seek out new ways to improve as a designer. Phew! Let's take a moment to pause and regroup here. I feel like I just walked up 19 flights of stairs after typing that section out, panting, regaining breath. There's a total of 19 skills listed. And again, all of these skills are shared between every product designer. Do you see where this is going? To level up, you must focus on one of the 19 skills above and create an actionable plan to strengthen the skill. Danger, product designer, danger. You may feel overwhelmed by the six design axes and the many skills within each axis. How could one designer be strong at all 19 skills? The answer simply is one cannot be strong in every skill. You should never look at the design axes as a checklist because of this fact. Never, ever, ever. Instead, 
except that you'll be strong in some of these skills and weak in others. And that's what makes your skill set unique. While we share these skills, we do not share the same proficiencies in each, and this is what makes us all unique. Some may be developing a skill while others are strong in it. Our uniqueness is why it's all the more important to help lift each other up. Recognizing our unique talents will help us build a stronger, more inclusive design community. Oh, and not every design skill fits perfectly into the six design axes. So it's an imperfect framework for describing the latter for all product design disciplines. For example, sound design is an integral part of mobile design, but this skill isn't perfectly captured in the axes. It kind of fits in mobile patterns, but not neatly. Not to mention the design industry is ever evolving and new skill requirements are formed every day in emerging tech like Web 3.0, Metaverse, VR, and wearables. So though the design axes will remain the same, you can be confident that these skills will continually evolve along with the industry. And so so should your skills to remain relevant as a product designer. But that's another article for another day. It's close to lunchtime. Uh, I'm thinking tomato soup and grilled cheese will cheer up the family. What you think? I'll be right back. Key differences between junior and senior levels. I don't believe I've specifically mentioned this, but when referring to junior and senior levels, I'm referring to lower levels versus higher levels as two distinct buckets. These two buckets make it easier to draw generalization and use blanket metaphors, which we'll do next. These are the key differences you'll discover when comparing junior and senior levels to one another. All of these differences stem from designers' proficiency in the six design axes and are an outcome of becoming a stronger product designer. We'll begin with project scope first. Project scope. Junior designers will often work on projects that are smaller in scope. These projects are more bite-sized and manageable for inexperienced designers as they have fewer variables to consider and are more self-contained. In comparison, senior designers will often own large projects with many variables to consider and stakeholders to keep aligned. Experienced senior designers will know how to juggle a large project's variables while remaining organized and somewhat sane. As junior designers progress in their careers, their project's scope will become larger and larger until the scope is megalithic. This shift in scope is an excellent time to check in with your manager and ask for a promotion. If you can prove that your project's scope has increased while you remain an effective contributor, you're a strong candidate for promotion to the next level. Influence radius. The next key difference is a designer's ability to influence others. A junior designer first begins by influencing their behaviors and knowledge. Then, as a junior designer graduates to upper levels, their influence also begins to impact others. The first external influence area is within their immediate team. A junior designer's opinion, i.e. designs, is heard and adopted by the people they work with directly. At some point, a designer's influence will trickle into the organization in which a team sits, marking them as someone with senior qualities. Teammates on partner teams will seek out the opinion of these more senior senior designers. Eventually, a designer's influence transcends the organization and their impact will reach the entire company. This moment is when a designer shapeshifts into a mythical unicorn and flies off into the proverbial sunset. But of course, in reality, influencers at this level are few and far between, hence why they're considered unicorns. Not to mention how incredibly subjective this company tier of influence is, but I digress. If you find yourself consistently sought after by other organizations within your company or external companies, the chances are high that you're a senior designer. This influence is yet another moment to speak with your manager about a promotion. Truth Seeker. Feedback is a critical input for designers and is a gift in our industry. 
It's a major driving force for how we iterate on our designs and gauge whether we've created something successful, which is why we collect so much of it. Early on in a designer's career, they will listen to all feedback and treat it equally. However, inexperienced designers have not learned the skill of filtering out valuable signals from noise in the feedback they receive. The mistake of using feedback noise as directional input for design iteration can lead junior designers to incorrect design solutions. Experienced designers at the senior level will still welcome the gift of feedback, but have developed a way to filter out feedback noise from the valuable signals. They ask direct questions and seek out objective truths to guide their design decisions. They recognize that not all feedback sources are equally valuable and prioritize design decisions accordingly. Truth seekers are domain experts and often called upon for their opinion and direction. If this sounds like you, consider mentioning this to your manager. Embrace failure. Failing can be painful. It can slow you down or cause a designer to decide to quit the profession outright. Resilience is the next factor that separates junior designers from senior designers. Senior designers are calloused and have built up a resilience towards failure. They've successfully solved many design problems, but not without failing time and time again. This resilience only comes with experience and determination to succeed. On top of that, senior designers have learned to fail faster. Because they're chasing successful design solutions so often, they move as quickly as they can towards failure in hopes of finding success. As a result, they become more aware of what successful design solutions look like and become more confident in their work over time. Designers who can demonstrate this often have higher design outputs than others. If you fail less often than your peers and continually arrive at successful solutions at breakneck speeds, it's time to speak with your manager about a promotion. Concrete versus ambiguous projects. Well-defined problems that have been solved countless times by competitors are great projects for junior designers to learn and grow from. These projects have concrete problems with clear solutions. In addition, junior designers can leverage existing product playbooks for bringing a product to market. A great example of this is e-commerce, which already has many great design examples out in the wild. The ambiguous and uncharted problem spaces are where senior designers shine. Examples of these platforms are VR, wearables, IoT, etc. Because these problem spaces are relatively new to the design world, the only way to create successful designs is to be a trailblazer and experiment. In addition, ambiguous problem spaces require a designer to be more proficient in many design skills. This proficiency in many skills is why it's often difficult to break into these new design worlds as a junior designer. Suppose you find yourself smack dab in the middle of uncharted design territory without clear guidance, and you consistently design successful solutions. In this case, it's time to speak with your manager about a promotion. Motion. Autonomy. This one might be obvious, but cannot go without saying. Junior designers are most often followers at the beginning of their career as they learn the ropes. They're followers because they still are building core design competencies and require others to guide them to success. Every designer requires some amount of hand-holding at the beginning of their career, and it's not until they gain enough experience that they have the confidence to lead. Senior designers, on the other hand, are experienced and not shy about leading others to success. They have complete ownership and understanding of a problem space, and others seek out their advice and trust their opinion. They're flexible and can coordinate groups of people and effectively collaborate with their team. They find ways to build community and frequently mentor junior designers to help them level up. A promotion is imminent if you exhibit any of the qualities mentioned earlier earlier. The career plan. 
Now that you know the fundamental building blocks, i.e. design axes of the career ladder and the key differences between the levels of the ladder, we've arrived at the most critical section of the entire article. Next, we'll dive deep into the importance of a career plan and how to create one. So what's a career plan? Leveling up doesn't happen by accident. It happens through the intentional process of documenting your weaknesses and creating a plan to strengthen them. A career plan is a document that tracks actionable steps for leveling up. The steps in the plan map directly to the six axes and focus on only a handful of skills at a time. As a reminder, the six design axes are product thinking, interaction design, visual design, intentionality, drive, and self-awareness. You should share this document with people and peers who can keep you accountable and give you constructive feedback on your progress. These people are typically your manager and mentors, but could also be your mom, JK. If you don't have a manager or mentor, you can always self-assess. The career plan is a contract, Kind of. I push my glasses higher up on the bridge of my nose. This section is about to get really nerdy. When you share your career plan with your manager, you've enacted an informal contract between you and them. You're both aligning on what it takes to get a promotion and agree that if you meet the criteria spelled out in the career plan, the manager should pitch your name for promotion to the next level. A contract is an interesting way to frame your career plan as the agreement works both ways. You must reach higher expectations to level up and your manager must promote you as well. However, if your manager doesn't hold up their end of the bargain and continually punch your promotion down the road, it can cause your career to slow down. This loss of momentum is an example of possible career stagnation. I'll speak to this in more detail later on, but know now that remedies for stagnation are a tough subject. In a perfect world, when you meet the terms of this agreement in the career plan, it would always result in a promotion. That's not reality though. I'm here to tell you that there are many external factors out of your control regarding promotions. For example, a company's budget is one factor that can prevent you from from getting a promotion and is entirely out of you and your manager's ability to control. Again, the agreement within your career plan works both ways. The flip side of this agreement is you must also hold up your end of the bargain. If you continually fail to meet the goals documented in your career plan, your plan is off track and you'll never level up as a designer. This loss in momentum is another form of career stagnation and it is one of self-sabotage. It's not wise to dwell on this metaphor for too long though, uh, since your career plan isn't actually a binding contract and this metaphor is kind of stressful. So instead, let's move on to the exact steps needed to create a career plan. 1. Assess your current level. To effectively use a career plan, you must know your current strengths and weaknesses in each design axis. This understanding is crucial as it gives you the perspective you need to level up. There are two ways to collect feedback on your skills to understand your current level. Peer feedback. Collecting feedback from multiple people you work directly with will give you an unbiased understanding of your proficiencies. You may hear this process called 360 degree feedback in the corporate world. Your current level is more accurately derived from this feedback, which is why it's so common to see 360 degree feedback at mature companies. Self-assessment. You should also document your current understanding of your skills and how you believe you measure up to the career ladder. To do this, you must be completely honest with yourself and ask which design axes you're solid in and which ones you're weak. With your feedback in hand and your manager or mentor by your side, use the product design level expectations rubric that I've created for you to assign a level to each of your skills. Then map those skill ratings to the design axes within the self-assessment sheet. Notice the star rating system within the rubric. These star ratings act as a rubric key that help you when mapping your level. Design Axie ratings. One star equals weak, two stars equals developing, three stars equals solid, four stars equals strong, 
five stars equals exceptional, and five plus stars equals redefines. It's an art form to assign a rating to each design axis. You'll likely find a mixture of ratings where you're solid to strong in some skills and developing to weak in other skills within the same axis. This mishmash of proficiencies is totally normal, by the way. Again, not all designers are strong in every skill within each design axis, so don't be alarmed. The rating is only a generalization for quick reference. This exercise of assessing your current level will result in a healthy conversation with your manager or mentor. You're coming to a mutual agreement with them and in return, removing the uncertainty of how you measure up to the latter. This conversation should never feel like an assault or one of stress or tension. If you feel comfortable and safe having this candid conversation, this is a sign of a fantastic manager or mentor. Two, study the expectations at the next level. Next, you need to study the expectations of the higher level above yours. Only focus on one level above yours and not multiple levels above. Doing so helps keep your goals reasonable and achievable. Take notes on the skills you find most interesting and the ones you believe you can improve upon for the higher level. You should understand which skills you can influence and which ones you cannot. This study of expectations will become your guide for setting goals in the next section. Three, set your goals. The final step to creating your career plan is setting achievable goals based on your current level rating and the expectations of the higher level. It's best to set these goals with your manager or mentor to agree on the actions needed to level up. It's far too easy to overwhelm yourself with the goals you set. My advice here is to focus on the single most impactful skill and strengthen it until you've achieved that goal. Once you've done so, move on to the second goal, then your third, and so on. This singular focus is yet another way to remain on track and avoid straying away from your plan or feeling stagnant. Your goals should include concrete actions that are tangible and rooted in the feedback you've received from peers. The goals should read almost like a checklist of action items. Here are two examples to demonstrate my point. Good example. Current level junior, weakness and intentionality. I receive feedback that I can improve my ability to collaborate with others. I make some design decisions without team alignment and my work isn't visible to all stakeholders. Mid-level expectations. You are able to keep core team aligned and remain visible to stakeholders. Goal to level up to mid-level. Set up bi-weekly design reviews with your team and invite all stakeholders to ensure alignment and visibility. Also, lead regular brainstorms to keep the team involved in design ideation and decisions. In this example, the weakness is stated plainly, the level expectations are mentioned for context, and the goal has two action items. This goal statement is perfect since the action items seem manageable. Next, let's look at a bad example of a career goal statement. Bad goal. Current level, junior, weakness in interaction design. I want to become a better prototyper to impress my team with my wizardry. Mid-level expectations, you leverage prototyping tools to create complex prototypes to test macro and micro interactions. You know which prototyping method to use for a given situation. Goal, influence the entire design industry with my skills in prototyping. In this example, the weakness isn't rooted in reality. The weakness is based on desire and not feedback received from peers. The goal is even worse, it isn't actionable at all. Not to mention it skips levels to unicorn status. There's no chance this junior designer can level up to that mythical level, hence why it's a bad goal statement. Signs that your plan is on or off track. During your career conversations with your manager or mentor, you'll need to determine if whether your plan is on track or off track. Here are a handful of examples indicating whether you're on or off track with your career plan. Use these examples to guide your career conversations with your manager or mentor. On track examples. You consistently get positive feedback from peers that directly relates to your goals. You can easily demonstrate how your skills have improved. People seek out your advice for a specific skill related to one of your goals. You consistently level up on an annual basis, and many more.
Off-track examples. You receive negative peer feedback that skills directly related to your goals are weak. You struggle to demonstrate how your skills have improved or how they relate to your goals. You consistently fail to achieve your goals. You haven't leveled up in many years and many more. It takes a year plus to level up. Yep, you read that heading correctly. It takes longer to level up than you may have initially expected. Some of you will be impatient with this process I described in this article, which is understandable, but the typical time frame I've observed and experienced is in terms of years and halves, and not quarters and months. So I can say with confidence that it's impossible to jump from junior to senior within a year. The silver lining in the longer time frame is it further removes the overwhelming feeling a design career ladder can impart. You should expect to check in on your career progression within your career plan every three months to see if you're on track. At the end of each half is when you should have a conversation about a promotion with your manager. Of course, this conversation is assuming that you're meeting more than half of the goals documented in your career plan. Realistically, you should only expect to level up once a year, and even then it's not guaranteed because our goals should be 50-50 goals. Skills often take longer to develop than we initially planned, therefore it's inevitable that we miss the mark and fail to meet one or more of the goals within that year. This is normal though, and is sometimes referred to as 50-50 goal setting. If you're achieving 100% of the goals you set for yourself, your goals aren't aspirational enough. In that case, it's time to reset your goals, which could lead to you leveling up faster. Career stagnation is a tough subject. Stagnation occurs when you're no longer making upward progress on the career ladder. Many variables can lead to a designer's career progress stalling, so many that I can't capture them all. I've already mentioned a few examples in this article. The company does not have clear expectations for its designers, the company not having the budget to pay your worth at a higher level, your values do not align with the company's values, you and your manager not agreeing on the terms of a promotion, you are not achieving your goals, you're burnt out, and so on. If you feel you're stagnating, you must first identify the cause of the stagnation to solve it. Here are the five solutions to stagnation in order of severity. One, reset your plan. Your plan may simply be leading you in the wrong direction. Your goals may be unachievable or not aligned with your desires. It's time to reset your plan by creating new goals that better fit your skills. Make sure to realign with your manager and agree to new terms for the promotion. This option is the most common fix to stagnation and one I've employed many times in my career journey. Two, find new projects. Projects. Keep your plan, but find other projects that support career growth. Maybe the current project you're contributing to isn't challenging enough or just uninteresting to you. Step away from it and seek out a new project. Three, find a new team. If the company is large enough, keep your plan and find another team that supports your career growth. Maybe it's the people you're currently working with that's causing the misalignment and slowed momentum. Consider moving to a new team with a better culture fit. Four, Find a new company. Keep your plan, but move on from the company. Gulp, yes, I'm suggesting you quit your job. Maybe your values don't align with the companies, or maybe the company doesn't need senior level designers. Either way, it's time to move on if you want to level up. Five, find a new career path. Blow up your current plan and find an entirely new career path that better aligns with your interests and values. This option is the nuclear option and I've seen many designers choose it. While it seems drastic at first, I consider it a healthy option. For example, maybe product design is uninteresting to you and you love coding more. Maybe you love managing people instead of pixels. These are all valid and healthy reasons to change your career path. Regardless of the option you choose to remedy your stagnation, you need to have a crucial conversation with your manager or mentor. They can guide your decision and help you transition if you choose one of the more severe options. A sign of a great manager or mentor is one that supports you, no matter how severe the option. They should always be looking out for your best interests.
And that wraps up the product designer's career plan. There is a lot here, so feel free to ask me questions. Too long, didn't read. Here's what I hope you learned from this article. Product design career ladders are unique to each company. Some will have a well-defined ladder, but others don't. The stereotypical rungs of the ladder are junior, mid-level, senior, lead, and principal. The reason there are rungs in the ladder is to clarify design expectations, share what a company values in a designer, calibrate designers for interviewing, and give designers a sense of career progression. The higher the level, the more experience and impact a designer has. Leveling up doesn't happen on accident. You must create a career plan. A career plan captures your weaknesses and how you can improve them. To create a plan, assess your current level, study the expectations of the level above yours, and create actionable goals to level up your skills. Check in on your plan every three months to see if you're on track. Only expect to level up once a year. If you've stagnated, you can refresh your plan, find new projects, find a new team, find a new company, or find a new career path. I just discovered that everyone fell asleep on the couch. That cold medicine must have kicked in hard. I wondered why it was so quiet around here. Did you find this article valuable? Consider sharing it. Follow me on Medium, LinkedIn, or Twitter. You can find me at I'm Aaron James. See you in the next article.